Okay, let's do for real or fugazi. John and I do this every Monday. Uh, we, uh, I've got uh, several sentences that I've concocted here on this sheet of paper in front of me. I read them as if they are facts. If John agrees that the sentence that I've read seems factual, he says that as for real, if I read it and he thinks that I'm crazy, off my rocker, maybe even lying, John says, Ugazi. Ugazi. That's Italian for counterfeit or fake. Um, so I've got about a half dozen in front of here, John, that encompass uh, football and, and other various disciplines out there. Um, but we'll start with the football since that's where we're at right now. Um, Jimmy Ward is the most likely Texan to start a fight against the Dolphins in combined practice this week. For real or Fugazi? Absolutely. Jimmy Ward could start a fight every day in practice. He's physical. He knows that's, he knows that's what D'Amico Ryan's and defensive coordinator Matt Burke wants. He's a leader. Getting him to follow D'Amico when he wasn't happy last year about having to play in the slot, even though he did a really good job, it's one of the best moves that Nick Casario has made. John, I think there's like there's a you just touched on it indirectly. Like for someone, if you're going to be a guy who starts a fight in practice, there is a certain baseline that you have to you have to be above the line, and in, in I think in a few respects, one, you've got to be a veteran who's not on a rookie contract still. You got to be an older player. You've got to be a player who is respected. You know, like a like Jimmy Ward is respected. Like he has produced around the, you know, he's largely with the 49ers, obviously, but he's been a productive, he's been a top 100 player at times during his career. Um, and I think the third thing too, is it's got to be part of your brand. You can't be faking it. Jimmy Ward is a trash talking son of a gun. And he's somebody who's always chippy out there. So I think if you, if you're those three things, as long as you're not phony about it, as long as you're an older player, and as long as you produce at a level where you've earned the right to go start fights, then, um, then you can go do it. And I don't know that there's anybody on the team on the Texans who checks all three of those boxes other than Jimmy Ward. Cause the team is so young, you know, and then most of the older players are guys who aren't, you know, Jimmy Ward is one of the better players on this team. You might say Laramie, but Laramie, that's the, he doesn't fit the third box. John Laramie's kind of a mellow guy. He's a lover, not a fighter. Um, so I, I think Jimmy Ward might be the only choice in this whole thing. I agree. By the, by the Pendergast rules. There you go. Um, all right, John, next one. Speaking of the offensive line, offensive line depth has become the biggest concern for the 2023 Houston Texans. For real or Fugazi? That's for real. They got big-time issues. Problem is with Titus Howard out, he might play the first game, he might not. And with Charlie Heck, their third tackle, walking around in shorts and a T-shirt, uh, and he's on physically unable to perform, so they're down to their fourth tackle. Uh, he was going to have to start on the right side, and that'd be George Fant. And because uh, it ain't going to be Austin Deculus, he struggled big time. And I don't think it'll be somebody else they bring in. So Fant goes from being signed two weeks ago to starting. Yeah, it's John. I was doing a 53 man roster for the Houston Press this weekend, it dropped this morning. That is a scary, scary position group right now <laughs> to find nine guys. You know, the most 53-man rosters, what is it, like eight, nine, ten guys on the offensive line? Nine usually seems to be about the number on the offensive line. Uh, finding the first five is not hard. I'm not saying I'm super psyched about all five of them, but we know who they're going to be. After that, it's a free-for-all, you know, especially with Charlie Heck being injured still. Who knows when he's going to come back? He's not doing anything at these practices, John. It would indicate he's coming back anytime soon. You know, a lot of times, like Tegan Catoriano, 
just was reactivated on Sunday, the tight end, the second-year tight end. He at least was working out over on another field for the first couple of weeks of training camp. Charlie Heck is walking around like a like a uh, an equipment manager or something. He's just strolling around out there just watching drills. When he's ready, it's going to take him a while to get ready to play. So he's not going to just be activated and then come back and you know the lineup. I think Titus Howard's going to be back before he is. Oh yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that for sure. All right, John, um, for real or Fugazi, if DeMar Hamlin just sets foot on a field in week one this season, he's going to win comeback player of the year. Well, I don't think so because he already won it. Uh, the Pro Football Writers of America gave that to him this year, even though he wasn't all officially all the way back. We've never had a two-year winner, but there's a good chance he could be the first because – He's going to step on the field. Hopefully, he'll stay healthy and have a productive career, but he could be the first person to ever do it twice. Okay. But, John, you don't think that's going to happen if he just sets foot on the field, like as opposed to having to actually perform at a high level? Because I, I'm really disappointed. This is for real or Fugazi. This isn't John gives his opinion uh, on it. I need uh, You give your opinion, but, John, give it to me. If you think it's fake, then give it to me. Would you ask me again? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> If, if he DeMar, steps on the field, he'll win. The, the comeback, easy, the odd, because he's already okay. won it. He okay. He's he won it for what? He 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 won it last Comeback year. Comeback player. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's the odds-on favorite for it this year too. He's he because he he didn't he never actually got back on the field last year. Like he didn't die. But I he, think that's he came back from death. That's the only thing I could think okay. of. Okay. Well, I didn't vote. I didn't vote for him. I wanted to wait to see if he came back. Okay, yeah. My 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 sentence was if Demar Hamlin all Demar Hamlin all he has to do is set foot on the field this year in week one and he'll win comeback player of the year this year. But you say Fugazi on that one. Fugazi. Yeah, he's, he's minus three hundred. Okay, let me add another one for comeback player of the year. If you're coming back from sucking the year before, you should not be eligible for comeback player of the year. It should only be for no, guys who come back that, from injury. I, for real. We yeah. see guys come back. And I don't know why we do it. There is no criteria for comeback player of the year. We've asked for guidelines. One time, John Kidna was comeback player of the year, and he was healthy, and he and he had been a backup quarterback, and he has one good year for the Cowboys. I never vote for somebody that just has a down year. I want somebody that's experienced like DeMar Hamlin or yeah. guys been out because of of, of issues. Yes. And I'm not talking about issues of his own making like yeah. he's a criminal. But to me, comeback player of the year, it's it should be standard. It should be common sense, Sean, about what a comeback player of the year is. I was disgusted. The same odds board where DeMar Hamlin is like minus 300 to win the award, like a runaway favorite. Next closest guy is like 20 to 1. Russell Wilson was on there at 25 to 1. Oh, give me a break. Thank you, John. There we go. Yeah, That's the John McClain I'm looking if anybody, for. If anybody, members of the Pro Football Writers of America, gives him a vote for Comeback Player of the Year, yep. they ought to have their, uh, their uh, membership revoked. Revo revoked. Yes, I'm with you on that. All right, John, next one. For real or Fugazi? Deuce Vaughn, five foot five, sixth round rookie. Drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. Drafted by the team that employs his father as a scout, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Rushed for 50 yards on eight carries and a touchdown in his first preseason game this week. And John, for real or Fugazi, the league whiffed on Deuce Vaughn. First of all, one of the all-time great stories, they let his dad call him and tell him he'd been drafted by the Cowboys. 
He thought his dad was just calling to ask him how he's doing on draft day. He talked about an emotional story. Now, for Casey, I don't think the league whipped on him because he's with the Cowboys, and he's going to do well. Anybody watched him at Kansas State, which I did quite a bit, saw he can run between the tackles. He's so hard to get get a, a hold of. It's yeah. hard to bring down. I think he's going to be just like Darren Sproles. He's going to help them in multiple ways. He's really good. I, I I loved him in college. He was good from the get-go. He was great as a freshman at Kansas State. He was a really good football player. John, the, the videos of him going through walkthroughs at practice is some of the most hysterical. So you think Bryce Young looks small on a football field? Deuce Vaughn, when they're in shells but have helmets on, is some of the – John, he, he looks – it looks like one of those videos, like uh, the Nebraska used to do this. They'd invite kids who were sick to come get on the field and they'd hand them a ball and the kid would run for a touchdown and all the players would pretend they're chasing him and the kid would score a touchdown. And, it, and they were tear jerkers, these videos. The kid was like nine years old running it in. You know, it's probably like a make-a-wish kind of thing. Deuce Vaughn looks like a little kid like that. He looks like he's 12 years old out there with these guys. It's incredible. But he's for his size, he is a really powerful runner. The difference in him and Young, Young is thin and frail-looking and, and yeah. gone as a body because all thick. the punishment he's taken. Thick, yep. yeah. Yeah. I told right, Sean Bajani from 610 a story today on the sideline. about First time I saw Case Keenum, he's walking through the Texans locker room after taking a shower. He's naked. I'm watching him, and I, and I told somebody this is the truth because I've never seen Case in that situation. I said – when do they start letting the, the, the ball boys uh, shower with the team? And he says, it's not a ball boy. That's Case Keenum. <laughs> you worried that the Texans are violating some league rules. I just, I just, that's what I thought. Oh, my God. Because he looked so nondescript. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> You did you you didn't know who he was? You I mean like I know you knew who Case Keenum was, but you didn't. Yeah, I'd never seen him before. Yeah, first yeah. time I'm in the locker room looking yeah. around at players, and I see this little guy walk out with a. T- and I thought, I thought he was lost because <laughs> in like you know it's like off season program, and I thought just some guy needed to be told the rules. New policy. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't go up to him and say, you know, you you got your own shower in another <laughs> another locker room. Oh my god. That's hilarious. All right, John, let's uh mix in a couple other sports outside of uh football. If you listen to this podcast, you know we're not afraid to mix in uh a little bit of a uh, little baseball, a little basketball. Um John, uh John Singleton is the better option at first base for the rest of the season over Jose Abreu. For real or Fugazi? For real. And one of the reasons is uh He's a really good fielder. He's disciplined at the plate. I think yep. he has at least three walks. He doesn't chase like Abreu does, swings at a lot of bad pitches, and he's five years younger. I, I want Singleton in there. I want him to stay there because I don't see Abreu getting any better in Singleton. He doesn't have to get home runs every game. I just hope, Sean, we haven't seen the best he's got to offer. Well, I mean, it's going to be hard for him to have a game like he did on Friday. You know, like it's, you know, two home runs and five RBIs, whatever it is. I don't expect that every time out. But I think to your point, we know he can hit home runs. We know he's powerful. Um, I've been I've been really enthused by some of the at-bats that he's had. Um, the the walks that you talk, I think he's got five walks, something like that. 
Um, he had a walk to lead off the rally that won that game in Baltimore, the Kyle Tucker Grand Slam. That started with a pinch hit walk from John Singleton in his first plate appearance as an Astro. Um, the only run they scored yesterday was John Singleton getting a walk, hustling from first to third on, I believe, a Dubon single, and then showing, I thought, really good awareness on the base pass to score on the wild pitch when the pitcher didn't come home to cover home plate. Uh, and then he made a great defensive play the next half inning. Like the sixth and seventh inning was a good look for John Singleton doing the little things yesterday. So yeah, I'm the home run power is great. And we were expecting that out of the first base position when they signed to Bray you there's a, it's a very low bar to clear John for John Singleton to be better than Jose Abreu has been. Jose Abreu has been one of the worst everyday players in baseball this year. Knowing, uh, Dusty's philosophy of being in love with his veterans. It wouldn't surprise me when he's healthy, if he wasn't put back out there. And remember, Dana Brown keeps saying that Michael Brantley's coming back. And when I was at spring yeah. training, I watched Brantley taking a lot of plays at first base. So I'm wondering if Brantley comes back left-handed bat, if they're going to give him some chances at first base. I want to see Singleton. Yeah, I do too. I do too. It's the, the, the Singleton at bats for me out of intrigue have become must watch in these games. Just it's, it's, it's an incredible story. I was looking at it Seth and I were talking about Singleton on Payne and Pendergast this morning. And I was going to look up what his stats are so far this year with the Astros. He played a few games with the Brewers earlier, but I wanted to go see. So you go to baseballreference.com and there's a pull down menu for game logs, you know, and you can go by season. You can get, you can look at every player's every single game in, in order and most of the time you do the game log pull down menu and it's got the years in chronological order, you know, like for, you know, for Carlos Correa, it would say 2015, 2016, 2017, 18, 19, so forth, all the way up through 23. John Singleton, you pull down the menu, goes 2014, 2015, 2023. <laughs> I mean, that's eight year gap, John, in between appearances in the major leagues. It's an incredible, incredible story. Good thing he had plenty of money after signing that five year, $10 million Amen. contract before Amen. he played in the big leagues, but it's a great story of perseverance in the Mexican league, cut, cut, retired. I think, and, and by all accounts, he is a terrific guy. He's Seems a, like it. He's Seems. a great success story. Everybody wants to see him succeed. Absolutely. Absolutely. What a story that would be if, he, if he's a significant part of a championship run. Uh, all right, last one, John. Uh, you saw the video just like I did. James Harden in front of an audience of folks in China sometime within the last day or so stood up and said, Daryl Morey is a liar. I will never play for an organization that he's part of ever again. Then repeated it again. said, I repeat, Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be part of an organization that he is part of. Of course, this has to do with James Harden, I think, expecting a max deal from the Sixers when he took a hometown discount last year, and now he wants to be traded. Daryl Morey has said, I am not trading James Harden. I'm not getting any good offers for James Harden. So we are not trading him. We expect him to be in camp in the next few weeks. John, for real or Fugazi, James Harden is right. Daryl Morey, liar. Fugazi. I've never heard anybody else, Daryl's whole career, call him a liar. Now, if there's a bad guy in this, it's Harden. He, he owes Daryl Morey. For everything Morey's done for his career, he's made hundreds of millions of dollars. And uh, I... I he's a cancer. I'm so glad the Rockets didn't bring him back and put him in there with all the young players. He quit on the Rockets to get out of there. He's going to quit on the Sixers to get out of there. And I wouldn't want a guy like that on my team. 
I, I have to think, John, if, if I'm wondering how this played out, because my guess is I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a conversation when James signed that two-year deal before last season, because it was a two-year deal last season and then an, a player option for this upcoming season. It wouldn't surprise me if Daryl made a wink-wink promise to James Harden, similar to what they did with Chris Paul when he opted into his deal to become a Rocket, and they promised him, we'll give you a max deal next year. And they did after his ha- after his hamstring failed him in the playoffs that year. They gave him a four year, one hundred sixty million dollar deal. I wonder how much of that plays in with James Harden. If he watched Chris Paul get that deal from Daryl Morey a few years ago, and he was expecting the same thing. More than that, I do wonder how much ownership stepped in <clears throat> with the Sixers and said, "We don't care what you promised. Why would we be paying fifty plus million dollars a year?" To a guy who he's 34 now, but a max deal is like, like what, like a four-year deal. Why would we pay James Harden, who doesn't keep in shape as it is at age 34? Why would we want to pay him 50 million dollars when he's 37, 38 years old? I could see ownership stepping in, and now it's Daryl who's taking the the brunt of that. Look, I I admire John that Daryl's not going to move James for 30 cents on the dollar. Too many of these GMs in the NBA get stars that get upset and they want to get traded, and not only want to get traded, they pick what team they want to get traded to. Um, James has said he wants to go to the Clippers. The Clippers don't have nearly enough to trade the Sixers unless they want to give up Kawhi Leonard or Paul George in the trade, which they don't. Um, so I, well, I don't know what the conversations were between Maury and Harden. I don't know who's lying and who isn't or what the, I, I'm just glad that there's a GM who's digging their heels in on this, man. You sign the contract, go play. Remember the players run the NBA and I'll bet you Harden gets out there and he gets to go somewhere he wants to do. And to get rid of him, they're going to have to take 30 cents on the dollar because he's the kind of player. We saw it here. He'll come in and he'll work against you to get out of there. And he doesn't care what anybody thinks. Boy, that's going to be interesting. I can see Daryl telling James to stay home before he trades him for 30 cents on the dollar. Just don't come. Just stay away. I could see that before Daryl Morey would accept an inferior deal. That's Can you imagine what Harden's guy's getting? eviscerated yeah. talk shows in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. Hey, by, by the way, did you see what Verlander put out after an anonymous player ripped him uh, to the media? I heard he, he tweeted. What did he say? He tweeted saying how great everything was in New York. He was sorry one one player uh, uh, kind of took things wrong or constructive criticism or something, said he thinks the world of the Mets and their fans – and I thought he would just ignore it, but uh, uh, boy, don't you know he's glad to be in Houston instead no of New York. And so am I. I'm glad he's in Houston too, without a shadow of a doubt.